0: I'm Lars Menzel and you're listening to Available Light. This is episode 8 of my podcast and an episode we'll call Historical Distance. The further we get away from a specific time, the harder it becomes to understand. This effect is called Historical Distance and The distance describes not just being removed from a time or location, but from the ideologies and worldviews that shaped it. There's something counterintuitive about that, I'll admit. In hindsight, things usually become easier to understand. That's because we take what we know about history and assemble it into a picture of what happened. Or we even look at the pictures of that time and make sense of it by what's frozen in the frame images no matter if they're mental or physical ones are seductive like that they create the impression that there's no historical distance we're speaking of that the past is like an illustrated story with just one possible conclusion let's begin with the ending then let's start by saying that Lithuanian photographer vitas lukus Died after jumping out of the window of his fifth floor apartment in the winter of 1987. That his wife found him in the snow. Seconds earlier, Lucas had committed murder. There was a visitor at his place and they had an argument about his photography. Lucas stabbed the guy with a kitchen knife only to realize that the visitor was a KGB agent. He chose death over punishment. Nobody quite knows what caused him to snap and what the argument was exactly about, but it is safe to say that Vitas Lucas and his work had never quite fit in. Maybe there was frustration in the room, maybe provocation. But what we do know is that he had been a rebel all of his life, even though he lived in a repressive Soviet state. Now, the rebellion wasn't so much political, it was rather a rebellion against convention itself. The photographer wanted to see the world differently. He wanted to rattle the bars of a normal life. And it set him up for conflict. At the same time as it made his photography so unusual and so great. You've probably never seen any of his pictures, though. You've never heard of the photographer and his peers. And neither had I until a few weeks ago. Photography is so dominated by iconic figures that... Some never quite reach fame, and no matter how great they are, or ones were, they become forgotten. It certainly didn't help the Lithuanian photographers' cause that they were tucked away behind the Iron Curtain during the Cold War. When I started looking into it, I discovered a world that's no longer hidden, but still largely overlooked. In Lithuania, the small Baltic Northern European country, they carved out their very own visual language. It was pretty heavily influenced by henri cartier bresson in that it was a rigid black-and-white reportage aesthetic that they took their pictures in. The photographers would capture everyday life in Lithuania with these crazy technically perfect shots that were quite formal and somewhat sober. So picture city streets and the people in them. Picture old women and vegetable salesmen. Picture the countryside people on the fields, children chasing after geese. All taken with clean lines, strong contrasts, and lots of powerful portraits. Historians now call this the Lithuanian school of photography, and its formality wasn't just driven by the aesthetics. There was a political component to it as well. Under strict control from Moscow, Lithuanian photographers, like those in other states, were under pressure to show life in the Soviet Union in a good light. Which really means that this formality that I've discovered was really a corset. It defined strict boundaries within which the photographers could artistically express themselves. And most of them did it, but Vitas Lucas was having none of it. Just like he challenged convention itself, he challenged the notion of what photography should do. For him, it wasn't just about capturing what was there like a reporter which was what other photographers of his time did. He saw photography as a medium for intense creative expression, for visualizing his unconventional way of looking at the world. That's why his photos are positively weird. They use strange angles and subjects. Some shots are chaotic, and many involve nudes. And some are made up of vintage photos that he would cut apart and reassemble. He took this entire Lithuanian school and built on top of it, creating what the Russian writer Andrei Vartanov called lyrical reportage. The photos used this quirkiness to point out that life isn't all systemic and orderly, no matter what the government makes you believe. In a letter, Lucas once wrote that the camera allowed him to reflect his feelings, and he had lots of those. According to the people who knew him, he was an intense human being. He was driven by a mad desire to work, and so he sometimes didn't sleep for days and spent nights in his dark room developing photos. He was a passionate lover, according to his wife Tatyana, and the letters he wrote to her. He also spontaneously traveled much of the Soviet Union, kept a lion cub as a pet, and essentially lived the wild life. He was driven. ...by a desire to leave behind normalcy. And as a friend put it, he was always overwhelmed by emotion. That also made him impulsive. It made him a heavy drinker immune to authority. And his first brush with the KGB actually came years before that murder... ...when he took an illegal leave from his military service... ...to see a photo exhibition in St. Petersburg... I get the impression that photography was Vitas Lucas' way of breaking out, and maybe at the same time a way to exercise his own demons. And that's why his photos are so powerful. There's feeling that shines through. There are positive feelings, like passion for living life to the fullest, or a joy about being in love. But there's also uncertainty, a feeling of not fitting in, not quite fulfilling expectations. Another Russian writer, Lev has called it a feeling of insurmountability. And I think that describes it really well. These photos are bittersweet. And that, again, describes Vitas Luko's career. Because he was a founding member of the Lithuanian Photographers Association. He was successful at first. His... His work was selected for a show in Russia, where nine Lithuanian photographers were shown to great fanfare in 1960. But his work was also considered pretty risky, and so in later years his photos were never shown again. Sometimes because the exhibitors had to be careful not to show such radical work. Sometimes because some of his individual pictures were refused for an exhibition, to which he reacted by pulling all of the others. It was all or nothing for him, and so Vitas Lucas became a revered outcast. His peers loved his work, but the public never got to see it. He had all these friends in the high echelons of Soviet photography, but those friends then refused to exhibit his work, even when he donated it to the museums they were running. Vitas Lucas' life ended with an argument about photography on that winter night in 1987. And while gruesome, all of that suddenly seems comprehensible, doesn't it? He had been this visionary artist. He had been weighted down by a system and ultimately cracked under pressure. But I don't think it is that simple. Evita's Lucas lived in a place and at a time so different from our own that I don't think we should just file it away is yet another rebel story. And look, I wanted to understand the conditions. I even went to Lithuania and visited Luko's hometown. Uh, second. Yeah. I saw an exhibition of his work at the Kunas photo gallery and I walked through the streets in the pouring rain. But the Lithuania I visited didn't give me any clues. It is. Of course, in the same place, but it runs in a completely different source code. There's a historical distance that feels insurmountable. And so for me, this story has two sides. It tells us something about a fascinating photographer and what might have shaped his work. And it tells us just as much about how we try to assess the lives of historical people based on the pictures we form in our heads. The past isn't just a story, it is the outcome of many tiny moments, of decisions, conditions, and circumstances. It is what happens when a person is out there in the world, tries to make sense of it, and is touched by many other lives in the process. So, I'm going to leave you with something that Vitas Lycus' widow said, many years later, when she referred back to the years of their wild and rebellious life together. She said, When we were young, I did not realize that we were living something, and now I realize it was history. Thanks for listening. This was episode 8 of Available Light, so there's seven other episodes you can go and check out right now on www.available.li. I'd be happy to hear how you like them. Until next time.